hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 38. Let's roll. We are in the dead zone, folks. It's the dead zone. And, uh, you know, it was a it was another scare. I mean, a few weeks back before the draft, uh, we were set to have a Mr. Peter Howard on our on our web on our podcast, excuse me, and um, a terrible, terrible accident where he fell off a cruise ship and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Obviously, everybody knows your cell phone does not work at the bottom of the ocean. He tried texting me, whatnot. We crossed wires, ended up not doing the podcast. He totally shined me. Then I felt bad because I had found out that he actually fell off the cruise ship. He told me that uh, he lives in Kentucky. Um, I'm not sure of the details, but I believe him. I don't know why would I have any reason to doubt him. Today, though, actually, you know, ran a little late. Going to give him a little shit for that. But, you know, I, he was on another cruise ship and it was just late porting. He said there was a really good comedian on and he just wanted to catch it. So totally fine. Totally understandable. I'm I'm down with it. And with, without further ado, let's bring Peter Howard on. I call him the Robin Hood of of data analytics and the and the dynasty community and the fantasy industry because he he basically gives away his information for free. He does so much work for everybody. He's just uh, just a great dude. Except uh, really has a tough time with the aquatic life. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Peter Howard. Hey, <laughs> I mean you look a little <laughs> little waterlogged, man. <laughs> DMing me constantly for two months, and that's it. No, um, yeah, happy to be here. I've never, never actually been on a podcast or or a cruise ship, so I'm excited for this. Yeah, this should be good. Yeah, no, I I know, I know. I look, I didn't believe the story either, but you know, you kept feeding it to me, and I I just had to buy it at some point. But it's okay, right? Right. Uh, right. Kentucky's known for cruise ships. Am I right about that? Uh yeah sure yeah, I bourbon guess and I, no cruise, I'm yeah. not the one who mentioned the cruise ship so I'm gonna have to go with you on that one but yeah sure we got we got some lakes and rivers so yeah <laughs> yeah just a cruise up the yeah absolutely one of those little a pond or something like that they just put them in there they test cruise ships in the ponds of Kentucky I believe is that's actually what, it yes right. I think that's what it is uh you, you this is why the people tune in for these hard hitting takes but you know really what I was excited to talk to you and one of the reasons I wanted you on. Uh, before the NFL draft or somewhere around there is because you are kind of fantastic at running, uh, you know, models. I, I've, I've given a lot of people a lot of grief about, you know, air quotes, their model, but you actually have real ones where you actually run, uh, you know, the actual numbers and come up with real things that are actually somewhat predictive and or informative. And so I wanted to kind of catch you before that, but here we are. And you know, a, a lot of people have already kind of made their had their rookie drafts, and you know they're they're looking at the 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 glory that is their bounty, and and they're going from there. But there's a lot of rookie drafts still going off, and quite frankly, even if they're done, I kind of like your take uh, on the rookies. And you know, I've heard uh, a few podcasts and a few rankings, and some of them have me a little bit puzzled. I guess we'll start right at the top. We won't talk super flex because I think that may be a little bit more boring. But you know, just at that one point oh one. I'm kind of curious who who's your 1.01 in a in a one quarterback uh dynasty rookie draft at this particular point. Uh Jamar Chase probably. Yeah, that's Personally, fair. I I just want Jamar Chase in this class. You should take running back. I said it so you can't at me. Uh but I I want Jamar Chase. If I'm the 101 I can't trade. I'm taking Chase. Yeah, it's fair. That really I think is he's a, the a great Saquon team. Barkley of this class and it's unfortunate it's at the wide receiver position but like he's the one that stands out to me. 
Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. <clears throat> I think he's the most elitist. Um, that's not even a word, but he's the sort of the most elite <laughs> prospect. He's the most elite prospect just by the sort of you know all all sort of uh, criteria. Um, and and once so, you take everything into account, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and you're right. Um, you want to take the running back. You know, that's right. I mean, you know, all rookie drafts sort of start with what the hell's going on at, at, at the elite running back position. And so that's that's fair. I like it. Uh, 1.02, I assume it's a running back. Which one is it? Oh, oh, my running back orders, I have Najee Harris above ETN. And then it goes Javante Williams, if you don't want to know. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's where I'm at right now, too. And it's interesting because I think – you know, for me, Najee is going to have that sort of immediate runway to great opportunity, and I think that's good enough. Uh, even if you don't like him, I think it's kind of like, you know, you can trade off him for ETN Plus probably. I mean, I don't know that that's specifically true, but I think they're close enough. H- how close is Javante, and and is it is that your one, two, three, four? Because it is for me, by the way. Um, you know, you, you could – I always say this to guests, but if we were running a team together, you could talk me into taking Chase 1.01. I don't have it that way, but I kind of have. I, I think I have it so damn close that uh, it, it's 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 either way for me. But uh, Javante's four for me. Is that also where you sit? I actually have. Um, I put Pitts in there between running back two and three. Like so, between Etienne and Javante Williams, it's a little uncomfortable because I kind of like both of them the same, but. That's where the market tells me where to be. Um, Carl Pitts is, well, like we were saying about Chase, he's just kind of a different level of prospect at his position. His position is worthless and I hate it, but <laughs> but he is an elite prospect at it. The other problem with his position is there is no such thing as an elite prospect, so that makes that awkward. But I yes. think having him at 104 gives you the option at least. It's not like you have to draft it, but it's kind of where I'm looking the where Chase should fall in most rookie drafts. Um, and he's a he, he's a value bet, just to be clear. Like, John Bosch is out there making sure everyone knows that Carl Pitts is the most valuable player in the in this draft, and that's fine. But John Bosch knows what he's doing, especially with value. He's going to trade him as soon as he should trade him, and he's not expecting production. Um, or at least not, not expecting, you know, too much production, at least. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of put Pitts in there, but... God, that, well, let's have this conversation. It was on the show sheet a little bit further down, and and we're gonna get there. But I say let's just do it. It's the it's the Kyle Pitts conundrum for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I you know I I've, I've said it clearly and openly. I think when you look at him as a tight end prospect, you know he's very exciting because he appears to play like Darren Waller. You know where he can line up outside and dominate and and really you know become a a, a target hog in the NFL as opposed to the Goddard you know, Hawkinson sort of prototype where they're, they're sort of in line, but we've seen other guys, whether it be Noah Fant um, and, you know, David Njoku, OJ Howard. I mean, I don't know. We've seen other guys who sort of promise to give us what Pitts is giving us, maybe not to this level, but we've seen it before and it didn't materialize. So I think the only thing I've got as a problem is that, he kind of has to be that guy for him to return the value that everybody's talking about, unless, of course, you trade him before he doesn't. <laughs> See, I don't know. There is, and that's why it's a value bet, and they're a little awkward, and it's not a natural way of thinking, and so I think a lot of people are going to draft him and not know what to do with him. Um, 
like the first time he gets on a field, unless he stumbles over his own feet or like sets a field on fire, I think his value will go up. That's the yeah. John Bosch argument. It's like the minute he catches a touchdown or gets a 50-yard game, people are waiting to confirm this bias. Based yes. on the ADP, <laughs> based on how much everyone... Like, there are tweets rolling around out there saying that you can't get Christian McCaffrey or Patrick Mahomes for Carl Pitts right now. Like, that's the <laughs> level some people have gone to in Superflex. Yeah. Um, so, given that... Um, he doesn't actually have to produce much, is the idea, to actually improve or increase or maintain his value. And tight ends typically maintain their value, at least, in that they're drafted within the same 10 picks um, in startup drafts uh, as they are as rookies, as, as they are as sophomores, uh, for example. And so we've got that in our back pocket for tight end. Even when they don't do anything, they kind of stay right. within the same range because people know they have to wait. Um, and so really there's kind of only upside unless you're Evan Ingram and actually do go off year one and he actually dropped in value but don't mention that to John Bosch yeah no it's funny you say that because like you know our producer Michael has been saying he's going to go off in week one because they're playing Philly and Philly has no safeties or linebackers to cover him uh JJ Zacharyson made that exact point on this podcast that you know you won't be able to trade for him as soon as he catches one long touchdown or has and I said yeah just one even like one-handed grab in the corner of the end zone on a five-yard fade it's going to be like oh people are going to go crazy you know so well, that's the thing though right now I don't think you can trade I don't think it's sensible to trade for him right now I think he's already there that's what I'm starting to get really yeah. frustrated with on this because like literally in some leagues, not all leagues, this is an average, but you there's no player you can't trade for if you have Kyle Pitts, which means there's no upside then. It means you trade him now. <laughs> the idea right. I, and that's why I have him at one oh four. If I can trade draft Kyle Pitts just for the price of the one oh four and then go and trade him for whoever I want, I'm gonna do that. Yes. That's why I have him at the one oh four. And that's that's the value bet aspect of it. If in my league I can't then I'm not doing it. And the only place I have carpets is in a league where I don't think I can. And it is a tight end premium where we have to start two tight ends, yeah. but they let him fall to me the 106, which tells Ooh. me they're not doing it, if you know yes. what I mean. Yes. But I do think, again, like the JJ Zacharyson point, because apparently he made it here first, whatever. Um, if he catches one touchdown, maybe they will be ready to do it. So yeah. I, I, I drafted him there for that reason. And it's the, not because... Like, the, the dueling Here's the weird thing about Kyle Pitts. If, yeah, if there was a perfect receiving tight ends profile, Kyle Pitts was have it. Yeah. But none of the perfect receiving tight ends had that profile because none of them looked great in college. Tight ends weird. The best prospects have weird half profiles. They only played one season. Antonio Gates was a freaking basketball player. Don't you know? Did anyone ever tell you that? And so they all have these weird, so they don't look the same. And so what does Carl Pitts having an amazing profile mean? It means if he was a wide receiver and all the other guys were wide receivers, he would look good, but they're not wide receivers. And so when you look at him on the field or you look at his actual physical makeup, he matches up to um, uh, 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 Jordan Reed, who I deeply loved because everyone hated long before he was injured, or he matches up to um, maybe a Zach Ertz. Um, he matches up to receiving tight ends that are a little undersized. He is a little undersized to be a tight end, which is normally not what we track. We find George Kittle by going for the 250 right. plus six foot four guys with athletic profiles. That's exactly not Kyle Pitts. He's athletic enough, he's sized enough, right. but he's not. 
he's not George Kittle. That's not what that is. And and that's uh, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle. Um, my, my names are failing me. Um, that's that type of tight end. There are so few. There's like four or five that are actually hunting, and he is not that. So the idea is he's an Evan Ingram who doesn't stop Evan Ingramming, And we've literally never seen that. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I, he's a pure value bet for me right now. And if you want a wide receiver that plays designated as a tight end, there is a guy in the league that does that right now. You know who it is? It's Mike Gusecki. Like, So the minute you yes. start actually looking, he's going to play wide receiver, bro. Okay, well, let's look at those guys. It's Mike Gusecki. It's not, it's not Rob Gronkowski. It's not George Kittle. That's not what you want. So in terms of an actual production bet, I, 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 he was really good in college, but I don't know that means much at tight end. <laughs> like, good in college at tight end is he got 600 receiving yards. Yay. Yeah, exactly. You know, what do you do with that? Well, and Sorry, everybody knows. Right who, there, but it's really I too, love it. It's schizophrenic, man. It's like he's going to be the best tight end ever, despite being below average in size for the best tight ends ever and having good receiving profiles, which the best tight ends ever didn't have. So, I mean, right. what do we do? That, for my process, it's like the antithesis of what I do. If you want a guy who had a larger role on his team and is about the same size, Brevin Jordan. I think he's a much worse best pr- to get points because he is undersized. If Kyle Pitts didn't have first-round draft capital and literally a 1.04 rookie ADP, there would be no point in drafting him in the first round. But he does. That's what it is. It's where everyone values him. That's what his value is. Yes, and in the in the 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 musings of Peter Howard digested. It's like money has value because everyone thinks it has value. That's Kyle Pitts. That's right. <laughs> it's basically money. Yes, that's exactly right. He is not the stuff you buy money with. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He's capital. You, he's he's just capital. And, and and look, he he could very well be really really good in the league. That that is, I don't think you're saying that he won't be. Just for the record. No. You're actually not saying that. I know that people misconstrue, and what 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 you're saying is that it's not a guarantee, and that he also looks like other players who have had difficulties staying on the field because the NFL you also have to block, and then you'll hear people counter that and say, "Well, he can block," and it's like, "Well, he's yes, but he's not George Kittle. He's you know." And so here goes the thing, and ultimately, yeah. what we don't know is what what sort of target uh, you know. Um, share he's going to get in, in Atlanta. I do like the Atlanta landing spot. I do like that he's with Arthur Smith. I do like that, you know, it's sort of a passing offense with, you know, um, I, I, I you can sort of just see it. You know, I, I said it last week, you know, Hayden Hurst at tight end and the three wide would be Pitts, uh, Ridley, and, and Julio. And that sounds terrifying. And he sounds open already. <laughs> like he's open you know just he's open right now he's open so i you know that that part i certainly think is uh, is a possibility you know passes a lot it's got other good players on the team yes quarterbacks in his last window or whatever yeah should have have some red zone some red zone opportunities right like we can easily say he's a top 12 tight end like i'm i'm i would be good with that i don't think he's going to get I don't project him to be there as a rookie season. It's almost impossible to project that. Right. But I could see how it could happen. But here's the thing. Mike That's Gusecki right. was also a top 12 tight end last year. You don't want top 12 tight ends. You don't want them. Right. So if he's get, if a top 12 tight end is getting valued like a running back, 
you want him so you can trade him. That's why right. you want him. That's right. You need a top one or two tight end, then your pick pans out. But we have no we have no guarantee that'll happen. So we, when when we did our uh, our draftathon, you know, uh, you know, the 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 Travis Etienne pick happened live on air with me and you sharing a mic for the first time uh, together, and it was it was fun. <laughs> but I. I I felt bad almost because I think you had just drafted James Robinson in a startup like earlier that day or something like that. And you were just yeah. kind of fucking tilting and like, you know, swearing at me about the whole ordeal. And, and I'm and I was uh, grandstanding and victory lapping like a motherfucker because I had been telling everybody since October of last year that, you know, James Robinson is a trap. Uh, not to say that he's not a good player, but he's a trap. Of course, I was correct. I'm proven correct by the the idiots, you know, Urban Meyer drafting Travis Etienne in the first round. We all know that's a bad move when you already have James Robinson. Yada, yada, yada. Say it all again. But have you come around on this Travis Etienne killed James Robinson thing? And and and, and insofar as you... Long, and, I mean, well, just tell me about that. It yeah, happened. so tell me about where you have <laughs> so, James Robinson, or what your what your thoughts are about James Robinson. I don't. I mean, he's a he's the most expensive backup in football right now. I think he's Big a great game. player, um, but you know, ETN's second best running back in this class, which isn't saying the same thing as every class, but he's good. Correct. I, I think my main takeaway was, yeah, there's no hope for the Jaguars. Like ETN should be fine. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm bitter, but I'm not not saying he's no longer a good player or he won't get the opportunity, but no matter what happens this season, at some point you're going to be like, if only this team had X and then we look back and realize that team could have had X right there. Yes. That's a bad, that's, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, there's lots of signal for a well or a bad managed team and I don't know team management. I'm not a GM, but I do know. And I don't know urban Meyer. Apparently he's new. Okay. Um, but what he just did was overspend for something he already had to make a splash. I think that's a good sign of bad management. I think yeah, that's no, a bad, no that's pretty good sign of bad management. So if you like ETN, you shouldn't like his landing spot. No, it's, it's, a, it's <laughs> and a little disconcerting. Like the Jaguars, you should not be more worried about the team. So it's kind of a lose-lose all around. James Robinson's dead, granted. Um, ETN is on a apparently still going to keep cooking us in terms of their picks. I mean, how often is a Jaguar player going to prove to be good and then the team just fade him? Alan yeah. Robinson was faded. I mean, G.J. <laughs> Chark even had a good year at one point. The guy who was playing behind Alan Robinson showed himself to be a slightly above average. Even Alan, Robin, Alan Hearns back when showed some significant signs to being pretty much a value where he was drafted, and the team just kills him. It's yeah. a bad team. Some yeah. I don't know what the special mix is, but the Jaguars just kill anyone that shows any potential. Now, that won't happen to ETN because they spent on him. So this isn't an anti-ETN take, but it is a, I like ETN, and I would rather have gone to a good team. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> and just, yeah. you know. Yeah, and the there were better Robinson, for him. Yeah, there yeah he, was a, he, he was a trap at the wrong value, but all players kind of are. He had a lot of upside based on where I... I and other people were drafted them. Yes. I mean, around discount, you know? Sure. I I'll give you that. Yeah. If he, if he was, that's right. That's the bingo. Well said. Like if he was 
not undrafted, he would have been drafted two rounds earlier. The undrafted part was what didn't insulate him and what created the risk. So you're absolutely 100% right. There was risk reward, and you can light that pick on fire now. I mean, you not light pretty it on much, fire. Yeah. You can definitely, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah just <laughs> yeah. in case I got anyone still left with I'm, I, James Robinson is good. But the other thing you have to admit, especially if you like James Robinson's of the world, is it is replaceable. Saquon yes. Barkley, maybe not. Okay. Right. Travis as Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, maybe not. Cool. But we those are those guys. <laughs> <We're> not, <laughs> that's it. That's the list. And yeah. it doesn't make James Robinson any different, or ETN, or Najee Harris, for that matter. We don't think they're those guys. I think they're really good, and the team's going to use them. That's the formula. Yep. So he's really good, and the team's not going to use him. That's it. That's, that's just a... The way it goes, and because he doesn't have draft capital, and the NFL is as biased towards draft capital as, you know, it, since they create it, they should be pretty biased towards it. That's that's, that's right. the end of it. That's for, it's not um, when he gets to a second team or when there's an injury, the team wants ETN. Other teams don't want undrafted guys. Unfortunately, Bingo. it's kind of the end of the road for him. And, and, and I've got a little... And if uh, that makes you, know. you mad, it should. It's yeah. not like it doesn't make sense. It is not right. It is not real. A team could definitely get James Robinson and have a new Aaron Jones on their team or have what James Robinson was and they won't. No. That's even the, Aaron that, Jones wasn't Aaron Jones. Like they, they they fought against being letting Aaron Jones be Aaron Jones. Like still do. You know, still do. Yeah, still <laughs> yeah, they didn't re-sign him right away, then they did. It's like, whoa, they draft AJ Dillon. It's it's just completely vexing at all times. Yeah, you, you have a, a, a To me, it's one of the best explainers of the position. Sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but the yeah. reason you cannot fade or you know uh, Adam Thielen doesn't also wash off into the distance and actually gets to play a full career is because wide receivers can make it happen. Running backs, God love them, they can't make it happen. It's not because of them. It's because so much of what they have, to what they need to do their job is given. Um, right. And they can't force the issue. That's right. Uh, both by is. coaching and by offensive line, too. Like, yeah, if yeah, you, if you're, <laughs> you can be a, a great back. If it ain't blocked at all, uh, you're turning a negative one into a positive two. That's not good. You know, if you're dog shit, <laughs> if you're dog shit and there's a wide open lane, you can run for 10 yards and not get tackled. One, is, you know, that, that doesn't happen at the wide receiver position. You're always covered, so to speak. You know, I mean, it's it just a, the way it is. It's a group position. And unfortunately, because the NFL and we refuse to value offensive line players at all, except for the very tippy top, we have no idea. <laughs> Our offensive line ranks struggle to predict, to say it mildly. And so, yeah, it requires a lot of hand coaching. Who's I forgot his name. He, him, and Evan Silver had a podcast for the longest time. I think they still do podcasts together. But he was a former offensive lineman. And Brandon Thorne. Like, if you if you're gonna listen to a, a football player, name, right? no, I don't think we're... Thorne. Wait, yeah, he's, he's a big oh, guy sorry. on podcasting now. But um, oh, I wait, just Pat McAfee or no, 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 um, no um, he's um, a um, kicker, Ross Tucker. <laughs> Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker, thank you. See <laughs> see how there. little we think about him? Even the one that broke through, we're like, what's his name? But Ross like, Tucker, I got there. I mean, I'm not... I think you can learn about something without having done it, don't get me wrong, because obviously I do this, but almost no one puts time into evaluating offensive linemen. So that's some of the most interesting perspective I've ever heard, because you can almost find no good content on it. No one cares, no one pays them. And like the great offensive line seemed to be an amalgamation of players. No one thought was good until they came together for this one specific season, you know, or the couple of seasons. And so the 
Anyway, I mean, I'm getting too far into the weeds, but what makes a good offensive line is literally unknown, and no one seems to care. And that, for, if we care about running backs, that would help us say something other than it's made. <laughs> well, I think I think it starts with good, healthy offensive linemen, and you know, and health and then, helps. Health helps. <laughs> yeah, health helps. I mean, you know, that's a thing that we sometimes don't know, and you know. It's it's why the Rams were bad and then the Rams were good because the left tackle there was hurt and he's like forty years old now whatever uh, you know and so yeah I mean if he's not if they're not healthy I mean look at look at Philly you know we might have expected Philly to have a great offensive line last year and then you know uh, Brooks and all these guys I mean Lane Johnson I mean they just got decimated by injuries all the way across the the, the line and of course they were terrible you know I mean they couldn't throw the ball they couldn't run the ball couldn't do shit not surprising. Moving along, uh, you know, I think one thing that that um, you know, th- th- this is the sort of maybe the first or you know first full year, maybe the second full year. I- I've kind of been in the game of trying to provide advice, not just on Twitter, but sort of you know in a podcast and on on our website, and really trying to make sure that we're getting it right. And I've kind of done back of the napkin projections uh, every year, and. You know, because I didn't need to really do them the whole way through. Uh, this year, I'm so grateful that we, you know, we with Dave Marshan, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Professor. Um, he developed the Analyst Depot, uh, AnalystDepot.com. You guys can go there. So if you're sort of a, a guy trying to do projections, go to Analyst Depot right now because it's free and or maybe it's not i don't fucking know you know but it's awesome (laughs) if it's not free it shouldn't be anyway uh but it's awesome and you can you know i don't know what sections are aren't free but get on there and start making projections because you know now i've got a source where i can do them you know real easily you start at that team level you're able to build them down it's a it's awesome so in any event i even when i was doing on the back of the napkin and now i've did i literally finished the entire nfl full projection uh, today, first draft, so I'm not ready to post them or anything like that. But you learn a lot by doing this, is I guess my point. And you learn a lot because now I feel a lot more prepared for best ball and redraft drafts. And I also feel once I start to get more prepared for best ball and redraft drafts, I now become a better dynasty player as well. Uh, did that all make sense? Yeah, projections are a really useful process. Um, I think you learn more from doing them than you can get from looking at them. Um, if you just want decent projections, go get average ADP and go get right. average points per game for players that finish those ADPs, and they will score about as well as any projection that you want to put them up against, yes. whether it's Tanho, Mike Clay, me, or anyone else, because the market is decent, at least yes. decent enough to break the average, um, which is what most projections engines are trying to do. But by going through and making projections, you learn what has to happen, or you have to Correct. you're confronted with decisions you don't care about, which you kind of have to care about. <laughs> That's right. To, to make, make a the projection, projection happen, yes, and it makes you look at them. Um, yes, and so the process of it is actually the most valuable thing. We actually just did a. I've been. We're about to finish off, I guess. Um, I'm making a projection engine from scratch YouTube stream. Um, video playlist thing and uh, going back and starting from scratch has been a good process as well because there's a whole bunch of things you've got to think about what you want to build in what you want to adjust for how much you want to adjust for James Simpson I don't know if he's still doing it it's like JS underscore football or something 
um, he used to give away a projection engine. Um, um, Anthony Amico at Amico on Twitter, he's got one on Google Sheets. Anyone can use it's built basically around air yards. I mean, it's not as fancy as a website, but I mean, you can yeah. work your own projections. Um, and it is a useful process to go through. But sorry, I went on way too long about that part. No, it's, it's, <laughs> but but that was the question is, you answered it, man, because you're exactly right. Because when you start to look at things like, oh, shit, what is going to be the target share for LaVisca Chenault versus Marvin Jones? Huh. Well, I have to make that fucking decision right now in order to move forward. And uh, it's got to be a number. I, I got to put a number in there. <laughs> I got to put a number. Well, what did they do last year? What was Marvin Jones's his, uh, historical, you know, target share in other offenses? He's now getting older. It should probably trend down. Although maybe this is a new opportunity. He just got re-signed. And Lavisca Chenault's a second-year player. Should go up and da da da. And you start to okay. Well, that's a really big thought experiment for just one little fucking decision in this gigantic machine that you have to create. So that's why I say even you know I did it. I did it fast and I did it so, sort of off the cuff because it could take you a quite a long time to actually mm-hmm. dive in. And I, I intend to do so over the next few weeks and months. And, but I think at, at a glance, it's, it's, it's you learn quick. How do we eat an, yeah. It's how do we eat an elephant? You know, you, you just, you could, it's really just doing the thing. If you're sitting there, like I want to do it, but dang, I mean, you just got to start doing the thing. <laughs> I yes. mean, you know, you know how to calculate yards from right. stat A, B and C. You're just going to have to line it all up and write it down. <laughs> and then yeah. it's, uh, well, this is, this, is why, this is why the tool is so great at, at Analyst Depot. I got to tell you, maybe you should check it out, man. You'd love it. Uh, it's not fully formed because it's still very young. We just, just, re- you know, are bringing it out right now. And I think there's tweaks to be made and, and I'm excited to get back with Dave and, and make some of those tweaks and we will, but um, it's great because it starts with full, um, you know, their, their last five years, the team, how many plays they ran, and what their run pass ratio was. So you can look at that at a quick glance and then decide what you're going to put for them this year. And that mm-hmm. sets up your structure to continue because obviously instead of going, well, how many pass attempts? Well, I like him for, you know, you're actually looking at historical data. Now there's some like obviously with a new quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, you may not, you know, compare, but still even that team, I mean, you know, there's some historical data to 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 bring bring forward. But you know, a team like Indianapolis, new quarterback, you know, you get my drift. There's gonna be changes, mm-hmm. but ultimately it lets you start from from thirty thousand foot and go in without, you know, long handing all that nonsense. So check it out. Right. Anyway, the activity of doing this made me start to really get excited about a few teams. And one team I think that I found a lot of value in uh, was Atlanta. Um, you know, I did, I did my projections and, you know, I had, uh, Julio Jones as, as WR four, uh, in my projections, which I know is a little bit lofty. Um, but, but I'm assuming health all year and, and, and I probably had a little bit too high a touchdown. So maybe he's, you know, seven to 10, if I just tune down his touchdowns a little bit, but either way right now on underdog fantasy, uh, another sort of partner of ours, uh, underdog fantasy, uh, he's wide receiver 16. And so you can get him sometimes as late as round four. Uh, you know, to me, that's stealing what could be a top five wide receiver. You agree with that? Julio Jones is definitely a value as well. Uh, I, I think everyone's on that, though. That's a weird thing. Like, everyone's taking him as you've got wide receiver 16 written down there, knowing the that's, what he's, that's what he's going at his ADP on underdog right now. Yeah, um, I haven't finished projections yet, but even just the early model we built over there, I put him on like wide receiver 10, and that's with some regression based on his age built into his previous stats. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Julio Jones is a unique kind of a player. He's the last one in the league that really fits the description. And we'll see others, like Calvin Johnson-type players. And it looks like Jax has run away and no, joined I'm here, the baby. circus. No, you're still here? Cool. And I just I had a sneeze, baby. It's a podcast. I, you know, I mute that but, mic I mean, and I let it fly. No matter how much regression, if you want to actually look at efficiency or uh, volume stats and regress it based on a pure age average, not saying players like Julio Jones, his volumes and efficiency still doesn't come down enough. And the thing is, we have no real way of projecting that cliff. Everyone thinks of Andre Johnson and he was, <laughs> and those level of players who just drop off. But one, Julio Jones isn't changing team like Andre did. And two, the last year that Andre Johnson played before he ended his career on the Colts was the most efficient he ever had. And so right. the performance of previous year isn't really a good guide. I mean, Antonio Brown jumped onto the Patriots for a game and actually had a league-leading target Yeah, He's like top – I think he's still – I think he's top in points per game <laughs> on the Patriots last year just playing that one game. Um, and then he went to Tampa Bay, and not every wide receiver three in the league does that. He was still good. I mean, we – we know there's a correlation to age, but certain they're just built different, man. Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and there is no guiding principle. And yeah, there's we no don't, reason to expect he won't be a top 12 wide receiver this year. We don't he know. He might not be, yeah. but we sure. don't know if that's going to happen for sure at all. <laughs> right. His, his efficiency would, uh, in the last three years, has not trended to a spot where we should expect that. We should expect his efficiency. Now, his health is another answer. If you say, well, health's different. Health's different. But his efficiency and his performance on the field would lead us to believe he's still a top 10 receiver in redraft. Um, I understand maybe the fear. You know, you can get some other pretty sure bets. You know, the other guy I like down there is, is Michael Thomas, who's going off at like uh, wide receiver 10, 11, which is fine. But to me, the the value on Julio Jones is just incredible. And, and then I looked at the other, you know, obviously we talked about Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts going as the tight end four. I think that's kind of drafting that as ceiling. He is very tantalizing because, like I said last week, he's very fun to push the button for. But um, but I think he's a little bit uh, too pricey. But the other guy that I that I really like uh, on, on Atlanta, you know, certainly as Matt Ryan. <clears throat> um, I expect with, with, the, with the new weapons and, you know, the offensive line being upgraded, better coaching – uh, Matt Ryan stands to have a much better season if his body is still held together. Um, obviously, again, health could be an issue, but it always is. <laughs> but 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 you know, uh, but Matt Ryan, you know, going off as you know quarterback twelve. So basically, you know, if you're in a in a best ball situation, you can be the last to kind of draft a quarterback and 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 push the button for Matt Ryan. If you're in a redraft league, you know, you can fade quarterback altogether because right now Matt Ryan and Tom Brady are going twelve and thirteen. So. It's interesting, uh, you know, in a lot of these, you know, one quarterback leagues, how you go about it. Now, two quarterback changes the calculus, but I guess what I'm getting at is Matt Ryan seems to be a great value. Yeah, he kind of always is. He's a, that forgotten every year. He's that forgotten what quarterback with the upside. Um, like it's outside of Patrick Mahomes and Peyton Manning. There's never, and I'm including Aaron Rodgers in the other list. No quarterback has sustainable top one to three performances. They just don't. Right. Um, and it's usually someone weird who jumps up into that top five, but it's actually been Cam Newton, 
who we tried to make that bet several times and never really worked out. And Matt Ryan are the other two guys who were consistently jumping in, but then jumping back out and then jumping back in, then jumping back out. So outside of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott, who we've seen do it, he's the one, the one forgotten man still left standing, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'd be remiss not to mention the other guy who I find myself drafting almost every single time is, uh, is, is Mike Davis. Uh, I tried trading Mike Davis away in every um, in every uh, dynasty league I'm in, and I just couldn't get rid of him. And now it's like, I mean, he's going at like uh, running back 22, 24, somewhere in that ballpark. I just did my projections. I have him right in the middle of RB2 land. I mean, I think he has proven the ability to to handle the workload. His thighs just got very popular on Twitter because they look like they could hold up a, a house. Um, <laughs> dude is built. He definitely could handle the workload last year. His body looks like it could handle, you know, being shot into space. Um, so I'm not worried about him breaking down. He catches the football. He's a he's a do it all. I think I think he's been widely un, wildly underrated for well forever. Um, and now he's got an opportunity and he's still underrated. So give me Mike Davis. You in with me? Yeah, it's just one of those things you forget to say because it seems so obvious. Like, yeah, the, the running back, one of the Falcons, who did a pretty decent Christian McCaffrey impersonation last year when no one's meant to be able to do a decent Christian McCaffrey impersonation. It's probably a good yeah. guy to, you know, draft. Yeah, well <laughs> said, brother. Well, well said, yeah. I mean, exactly. It's like... You know, and, and uh, you know, they they do start with the terrible um, uh, Philadelphia Eagles in week one. It gets harder from there, but uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I see them having uh, some success this year. You know, later in the year, they, they, they kind of soften up with tilts with Dallas and Jacksonville. And your, your fantasy playoffs are going to be, you know, Carolina Panthers, Detroit Lions. Uh, it, it could get real pretty for for Mike Davis if he can hold up. So. I like Mike Davis this year a whole lot. So, you know, speaking of Mike Davis, you know, there's like you kind of the people who have said like that he might lose some touches are like people who are saying that Javian Hawkins, who went undrafted and is 183 pounds, is going to steal touches from him. I don't know if he's a sleeper a little bit, maybe uh, for you. But uh, while we're while we're at it, do you have any do you have any guys that you're targeting uh, a little later in rookie drafts? you know, whether it be third round or, or, or later than that, even, uh, but just some players that you've sort of looked at that, you know, give the people some sleepers. For rookies. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. David Hawkins is an interesting one this year. I'm very much leaning on running backs. Many we get into the third and fourth round. Cause most of the wide receivers I love just went to the worst situation, especially for year one. I like Taylor Wallace. I like Seth Williams, yeah. but I have no idea how they earn targets there. It's Justin Watson and, Frickin' Tyler Johnson all over again. Although Tyler Johnson yeah. did manage to get in the field behind three literally elite ranked wide receivers, so you know, true. Said about Tyler Johnson. Um, what I was going to say. Oh yeah, I was vamping for time while I thought of names. Do you have a I love. I do one? that all the time. You can filibuster all you want. You can do it with the best of them. I've seen you do it. Uh, it's true. Um, Tutu Atwell's honestly falling to the end of the third round, and I'm going to take – I don't care how much of an outlier it is. At the end of the third round, I'll take that uh, price all day. He's one of the most productive wide receivers after, after you get after the Elijah Moores. 
in this class, and I don't care. He's built like a 14-year-old. He actually is a man. He's a fully grown man. He's all grown up. He's a man, yo. And so I like that one, too. Um, again, have you I seen fourteen-year-olders these days? They're, they're a bit chubby, man. I think they're probably all way more, way more than Tutu Atwell. Fair enough. <laughs> That's harsh, but okay. Um, Are you a Des Fitzpatrick fan or what? No, I was just looking at this. Um, the guys I'm ending up with a lot because my idea was to get purely 100 percent chase, and so far I've managed zero percent chase. I've actually had to trade up to get Elijah Moore on my team in the second round at a very expensive price. Um, I've had Rashad Bateman fall to me a little bit, but outside of that, um, the players that have been falling to me or that would be quote-unquote values have actually been kind of surprising even to me. I think Ramondre Stevenson falling to the end yeah. of the second round is interesting. We've mentioned Javon Hawkins already a couple times. Chubba Hubbard, I love CMC, but Frick, it happened for Mike Davis, so why not? Yeah, I'm ending up with um, a lot more Jamar Jefferson than I ever thought would have happened because I'm kind of meh on him, but he's one of the few 21-year-old running backs who had a three-down skill set in college. He was fine on it, but if we're trusting Trey Sermon, who is also just fine for his team, both teams that he played on in the early second, then I can take Jamar Jefferson in the fourth, which is yep. literally where I've got him a few times. Absolutely. Um, he's there in the fourth. It's crazy. Really deep kind of waiver wire land, Spencer Brown and Jarrett Patterson. If you want like a catch, they'll give you a rushing yard. That's kind of their modus operandi there. They're, they're going to rush, but they were pretty decent at rushing at a lower conference. But they were good rushes where they were playing. I've actually ended up with a lot of Kenny Yaboa, which is yeah, I me don't too. draft tight ends at rookie drafts because it's a three-year bet and they just kind of sit there and after <clears> a while, after three years, drop them for someone. But I yep. really like Kenny Yaboa this year, and the class is open enough. I'm taking those shots. Um, yeah, I've taken a few tight ends, and I like I like Ramondre. I mean, I think Ramondre has a has a shot at at, at real uh, running back one touches on the team. And I don't mean running back one in fantasy. I mean yeah. running back yeah, yeah. one on the <laughs> he Patriots. Could possibly be. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. There. Like touch he might wise, be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He might <laughs> be the leading touch getter on that team i suppose maybe even you know james white but i think sony michelle gets cut i think it's damian harris i think it's uh damian harris and ramondre sort of you know early down and i think it's uh james white filling his role and brandon bolden is not getting cut because he's a special teams teamer and we know bill belichick likes them so they're either keeping five or someone's on on the outs there and it probably ain't james white either so you know, I think it. I think it ends up being Sony might get cut. I, I just don't think he's healthy enough to play. I don't think he's good enough to play. And and Ramondre might be that that sort of smasher, that sort of Alfred Morris to you know Cam Newton's Cam Newton. He's Legarrette Blount. He's literally Legarrette Blount. I mean, he doesn't. He had a seven hundred rushing yard game year. I think not game. Um, in college, and good. that's a height of his full <coughs> rushing rushing yards. Which doesn't sound good until you realize that came. He finally got the job in 2020 when the season was shortened. That's why. Um, He's another one of those pure rushers. But on a per attempt basis, he was actually pretty efficient in his situation at doing it. And the team's got to be pretty disappointed with Sony Michelle at this point, who I do think they thought could be more than he's been, despite it being Bill Belichick. I mean, you've got LeGarrette Blount on a team without Tom Brady. And that probably tells you everything you need to know. Like it's not, it's not great, but it's something. And in the third, fourth round, I'll take something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
and and we're jumping around because it's fun as hell, and we've got Peter Howard in here. So whenever you got Peter, it's it's uh, you know I like the <laughs> I like to you know kind of fuck with him a little bit because he's you know. Well, you know, never mind. But uh, let's go. Let's go here, baby. Let's go here. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Not gonna pick on them. But let Let's go to my one of my one of my favorite teams right now, where there's a ton of value um, in in drafts. There's a ton of value in trade. There's just value to be plucked off of the Washington football team. You know, right now Fitzpatrick. You know, last year we were certainly concerned because he was playing with Tua, and our fears were realized, and he was. You know, he was replaced. And when the musical chairs stopped, I didn't think that he would have a, a starting role in 2021. And it was still unlikely because Washington had other, you know, opportunities and other avenues they could have gone to acquire a quarterback. And they kind of waited for the music to stop and pointed at Fitzy and was like, you're our dude. Let's go, bro. And so <laughs> I think I think Fitzy has the keys to the car for the whole season, unless he gets hurt. Like they're not pulling his ass. That's his team. That's kind of exciting. No. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I'm always excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's, yeah. He's, he's a dude. Uh, I, I know. I, I hate to be the dynasty guy. Who's like everything at its price, but I mean, it, it does depend where you're drafting. I mean, if you're driving a quarterback 32, yeah, let's go Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, well, well, look, I, I'm not saying that you should be reaching for him or or doing anything crazy, but whomever is rostering him, if you need a second, third quarterback in Dynasty, he should come at a very inexpensive price. Um, you know, that that's what I'm getting at. I think he's going to uh, over ADP. Like right now, let me just look. Uh, 15, 16, 17, 18. He's being drafted at like quarterback 22 23 i think that's fair value um you know uh, uh in in uh in best ball uh at, on at underdog i mean ahead of carson wentz daniel jones sam darnold i i think that's fair i think that's kind of you know he's going after tua and baker i think i'd rather have fitzpatrick than than some of the guys ahead of him uh, i just think the upside is better i think i like his yolo style his weapons are great uh you know i think they did a great job adding curtis samuel Dami brown uh, which leads me to some of the other value, which Antonio Gibson right now is uh, the RB14 um, in best ball at, at, at underdog. Uh, I like him somewhere in that, you know, top 10. I like him at running back 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. So I'm, I'm plucking Gibson every time in the second round. Um, again, I, I think there's huge value. I love Logan Thomas. Uh, I'll say it here because I don't think I've said it loud and proud yet, but, you know, he's, he's tight in 10. On, on in best ball drafts right now on, on underdog and and I've seen him definitely be valued as the top t- as not more than a top ten uh, redraft tight end and not more than a top fifteen dynasty tight end and I'm grabbing Logan Thomas absolutely everywhere at that value. Yeah, Logan Thomas is fine, and Robert Tanyan's another one who's already done it. I think he's held at a similar value. If you don't have one of the top two tight ends, you're just getting a couple that you don't mind streaming to get pretty much the same production. Logan Thomas definitely fits into that description. I think Evan Ingram is a little more underrated and still has that potential ceiling of being a top five, but also can fit into that streamer system as well. Yeah, I'm not so sure I agree. Here's where I'm going to push back. So number one, one of the reasons that 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 Tanyan was so good was touchdown rate. You know, he didn't have mm-hmm. a, a whole lot of targets. He just was on a really explosive offense where there was a lot of touchdowns. Now, 
He's also a good player. I do like Tunyon. I, I was I was singing his praises in week one last year. Check the receipts. But, um, it, by the way, week one he had zero catches, zero targets, and zero yards. But I was still talking about Tunyon, so I feel like that's a little bit of a victory lap. But thank you very much. Uh, but that being said, I think with Logan Thomas, his touchdown rate wasn't there because I don't know if you remember – they did not have a good quarterback last year. Uh, they went from Alex Smith on no legs to like, you know, Tyler Hineke to, um, you know, uh, Haskins. And it, it was it was bad. Um, <clears throat> but that team got better. And Fitzy, you know, certainly targeted Gusecki. And I think, you know, uh, t- uh, Logan Thomas had almost 100 targets. I think he had 95 or something like that. I'm not looking. But he had a lot of targets. I think he's going to see that type of target share again. But the touchdown uh, rate should go up, whereas I, you know, it's hard to imagine that Tunyon keeps that touchdown share from last year, even if Aaron Rodgers plays again. So I just value I, I, when I'm looking at um, tight ends, I'm looking at targets and yards because that's going to lead to touchdowns. I mean, somewhat, right? I mean, you know, um, <laughs> unless they're you know a little Zach Ertzy, like you say, middle of the field, but that's not. Logan Thomas. He's a he's a go up and get it in the red zone type of player too, whom I think um Ryan Fitzpatrick will enjoy targeting in that spot. So those are my my pushbacks and Evan Ingram, please. <laughs> Hashtag analysis. Basically. <laughs> um although everything you just said applies to Evan Ingram. He, he you're talking about touches and opportunities and targets. You realize Evan Ingram's have gone nowhere. Last year he was the highest opportunity player on the team. He had 24% of the to- team's total opportunities. The reason he did wasn't in the top five again is touchdowns, which is exactly what we just said about that other tight end. And as far as Robin Tonin goes, like everyone on the Packers operates through touchdown variants. It's a feature of Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure. True. So if you like DeAndre, uh, whoever his fucking name is, <laughs> if you're like Devontae Adams, then yeah. you can't not, not Tonyan for being the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but last year, Evan Ingram had a very Daniel Jones size 360 yards per touchdown, which is about twice what the average tight end does. Um, but his opportunities were still there. If the team improves, which I think the arrival of Barkley should do, um, as well as the other improvements they've made on the team, even with Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley should improve the offense as much as those positions can improve that offense with Daniel Jones. Um, And that could have a knock-on effect, creating better opportunity in the red zone or better success in the red zone for Ingram. I mean, it's not like I'm betting on him to be Travis Kelsey at this point, but he can fill that committee role of streaming a top seven tight end with a couple of guys. And he's one of the few that has an upside if you don't like Tonyan, who had it last year. Yeah, no, that's fair, actually. Um, Evan Ingram has been a target monster since day one, right? Uh, rookie year, two years hurt. Last, yeah, absolutely. He's been a target. He's been a target machine. He's never really seen his target um, share dip. So y- your point is well taken. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I'm just, I'm just getting a little bit of, you know, and I'm talking <laughs> 80 percent. Not not 100%. I'm getting a little bit of Darren Waller vibes with uh, Logan Thomas. Late breakout, you know, for different reason. He sort of changed position. The kid was a quarterback. He's on, like, his yeah. fifth team. Like, he's just sort of kind of figuring it out. And in the year, he figured it out with terrible quarterback play. He was the tight end, I think, four or five, depending on, you know, what your scoring setting was. He had 110 targets. Um, 
yes, please. I, I just think with better quarterback play and and he's sort of entrenched in that role, like there's I just think he's gonna see at least a hundred targets, if not maybe, you know, hit 120, 130 if if everything kind of just comes together perfect for him. He's got athleticism. So I think he could see a much better yards per per reception. I mean, he was only nine yards a catch last year. And again, I think a lot of that is, you know, Dwayne Haskin was like, run two yards and turn around. I think I can make that throw. You know, like there wasn't a lot of, <laughs> right, push it down the field. Like, I know what I'm doing. Don't worry. I know right where to put the ball, you know, on a seam. And it just wasn't there for him. So I think if that gets there and they're able to score more and they're able to score more passing touchdowns, I, I just like Logan Thomas's ceiling. And really that's what you're looking at because as you point out, you know, from tight end four to tight end 15, 16, it's the same guy. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. it's, it's like the same guy. Like you're hoping for 80 to 110 targets and hopefully 10 touchdowns would be nice. You know, that's what, that's it, you know, right. You know, it's like a one touchdown for Evan Ingram last year, 10 for Tanya. And there's the difference. Yeah, pretty much. And tight ends revolve around their touchdowns. That's the other thing to notice, which is why they seem to be so tricky, but they're really not. And why it's hard to knock Tanya too much. I get it. Everyone hates undrafted free agents, but me. But um, that's what I always remember when someone mentions Darren Waller. Like, Darren Waller's like the fake top three tight end, you know, because it's all there, except for the fact he didn't give you the weekly upside of Kittle, of Kelsey, of those guys who are really hunting, because he's doing it all through volume, and the touchdowns have never really quite been there for him. True. Like, that's the difference. Um. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I'm not a counter-argument. It's just something interesting about tight end, where you kind of have to care about this thing that's less predictable. It's yes. more weird. It's like you need touchdowns from your tight end. That's kind of the, kind of the thing. Volume is great. Right. That's why Wall is up there, but you can't really expect the touchdowns from him. <laughs> no, it's a, you're 100% right. Because, I mean, you go look at like the top, you know, maybe take Kelsey out and Waller out, and you look at the top yards for, t- for tight ends last year, it was like 600 yards. You know, it's like, yeah, nobody's exactly. <laughs> touchdowns, baby. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, he was a tight end three, had 480 yards receiving. You know, so it, it just Ooh. so yeah, you're you're <laughs> exactly. So it's not a volume position. You're 100 percent right, and and that's why I'm looking at variance and and embracing that. And that's why you probably shouldn't be drafting any of the guys. That's why every year you shouldn't be drafting any of the guys in that dead zone because not because they're not yeah. probably better. It's just because they're not that much more likely to actually come through for you. It's it's. Yeah, basically, it's <laughs> going bet on touchdowns, you know? It's, yeah. I, I'd rather not. <laughs> Travis right. Kelsey, by the way, the reason he fits the description of Gronkowski, and I mean, he's had a great career, but last year was the year he was exceptional and provided Ooh. upside. Like, that's so the only good. year yeah, as well. Despite so the good. fact he's been the guy for years, last year was when he was providing significant upside. So that's even Travis Kelsey. Like, you get one year of that. Right. <laughs> Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski just ruined this guy. And, 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 <laughs> just, and, there's gotta be someone nope. and you think about it peter they have to also avoid injury playing one of the most demanding physical positions in the world like yeah. in any sport anywhere like they have to block 300 pound defensive linemen and then outrun 190 pound safeties and corners like it is no i've been saying that fuck. forever like if athleticism and size adjusted athleticism isn't this thing why doesn't every failed tight end convert to wide receiver there's less to the job <laughs> and they are all comparatively size freaks right. like like 
We're talking about Kyle Pitts is underrated at 246 pounds with a BMI of 30. Running right. a, like, what is it? Like a four, five, four, four. He's it's like freaky. He blows every, except for Calvin Johnson, out the water athletically. There is no size adjustment that gets close to it at a wide receiver. I'm like, why aren't we just converting them all to wide receivers? Instead, we see like slow wide receivers convert to tight end. I'm like, let's do it the other way. Let's convert some of these uh, David and Jokus. Like, I'd like to see if some of them could be Marcus Colston, you know? Exactly. And, and, and Darren Waller is kind of the closest thing to Marcus Colston we've seen insofar as he plays outside and wins you know there's some guys who you know play outside here and there I mean you know you talked about Mike Gusecki who is just coming up for air at this point um he uh he plays like almost all in the slot he's not an outside receiver and he's not an inline tight end I think he played over 75 percent of his his snaps in the slot which by the way could be a big big problem for Mike Gusecki um you know, I threw him off a bridge last year and, you know, some people got upset, but he might be thrown <laughs> off a bridge because they drafted Hunter Long. Very aquatic is, team, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. People go missing for you. It's all aquatic. <laughs> like, is there something you need to tell us? I don't know. It's good though. I like that. That's a, that's a great, that's a great pull. Great pull, man. I love it. Oh shit. But, um, but seriously, I mean, you know, now they have, you know, uh, Fuller, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, and and uh, you know, and and Devonte Parker are still on the outside. I would think that Jalen Waddle would play over Mike Gusecki in the slot. Uh, just a wow. you know novice take here. I don't know. Hey, what do you think? Maybe Mike Gusecki. That's a weird thing. Like, um, everyone wants to make you know Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver playing tight end, and all I can think of is Tom Kissingberry laughing at the end of every the last three seasons, like. Mike Gusecki is not a tight end. All he does no. is play wide receiver. He's not playing Slot. tight end. And so every time someone makes that argument, I'm like, are we really arguing that he's going to be Mike Gusecki? <laughs> like, that's the upside? <laughs> like, it's weird. Like, wide receivers aren't tight ends, and tight ends aren't wide receivers. So it's obviously a significant crossover. But like we were just talking about volume versus touchdowns. And volume's still good at wide receiver, as we did say. But I just want to reiterate that. That's still what yeah. you're targeting. But it's relative, and the fact is what we want from those guys with volume is touchdowns. It's right. just, tight end got, not easy, but I got a lot less, I, I think I get a lot more out of it once I realized I was trying to play it too much like different wide receiver. And it's not. It's not different yeah. wide receiver. It's it's just not. It's a very unique position. Like you were just saying, there's really no other comparable position. Right. And the minute you get... I got that in my head. It just became easy. Like you were saying about the dead zone, it just became easy to take every wide, every tight end I liked outside the top 20 or so, find the few that worked, or go up and get the Gronkowski, go up and get the Kelsey. Like, that's it. That's right. the secret. <laughs> pay up or and, pay um, down. It's not that Robin Tonyan doesn't happen sometimes. It's just that that will also give you more likelihood of finding Tonyan because you're just like, oh, I got no one. I don't know any of these names. Who's this undrafted free agent in Green Bay? Sure, he's big enough, <laughs> so you're actually more likely to capture him. Sorry, I, I just you're a hundred percent right. I love it too, and it's true. Um, but you, you sort of go down that list if you go outside. Even right now, Evan Ingram's going at uh, tight end fourteen. Like, so you're right. Like, that's a great target. I will be drafting Evan Ingram, even though I don't love him because of his price. Jonu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, Blake Jarwin. At, by the way, Adam Troutman is becoming a value you know one of the reasons i was off adam not off one of the reasons i wasn't so aggressively on adam troutman that's the better way to say it is because 
Yeah, because I'm not off him at all. But because I was afraid that he would fi- – there would find competition for him, whether it be in right. free agency, a Hunter Henry or who know, you know, who knows, right? Just any sort of buddy. Um, but the sort of – the seas have parted for Adam Troutman. I, I was doing my projections. I didn't know any of the other names of the players that are <laughs> that are tight ends for the Saints. Like I was like – I don't know who to give the other targets to because I don't fucking know who they are. So Adam Troutman, <laughs> it's like, who should I give him to? I don't fucking know. Just 1% to all of them, move on. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's when you yeah. start digging through depth charts. For, what do wide receivers sevens normally do? <laughs> it gets a little obsessed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So Troutman is definitely going to potentially have, have value. And, and then Hunter Henry, Rob Gronkowski, Gerald Everett, by the way, I started with uh, tight end uh, 14 here. So this is up to wherever 20. Jared Cook. I mean, Cole Komet should be nice. Like It just is so deep that you don't need to spend up unless you're sure you're getting a premium uh, you know, target like a Waller, Kittle, Kelsey. And I don't think Andrews is that. I don't think Hawkinson is that. Hawkinson was tight end 14 in drafts last year. He was the last year's answer. It's someone else this year. Uh, not because I don't love Hawkinson, but just because, you know, you don't want to be drafting in that zone. <laughs> That's fair. Anyway. Yeah, it's you know, just, and unfortunately, the the downside of that, because there is up, more upside, and that's why carpets is overvalued right now, part of it. Correct. Just having to have one tight end, one or two tight ends, is a huge roster advantage. It just is. If you only have to have a tight end, that's a lot easier than having three. When rosters, as much as we like to think we can stuff every last sleeper on the end of it, roster management is a thing, and we can't. And so that's the right. other value of it. Like, it sucks that's to take correct. up those extra running back and extra wide receiver slots with tight ends, and that's a downside of it. That, yes. But that's the downside of it. It's not I won't have the production, because tight ends are fairly easy to stream once you have them. But you have yes. to roster them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and, and depending on the, you're a hundred percent right. And that's a dynasty game theory tidbit right there. That is exactly right. <laughs> no, it's, it's true because you have to absolutely know your league. If, if you're talking about some, you know, Scott fishbowl type of league where it's like 20, 22 deep and you know, there's not going to be uh, players on the, uh, on the waiver wire by and large, then yeah, you're right. You, you need to draft a couple of them, you know, a, a, a great number, but if you're in a shallow 10 or 12 team yeah, redraft league. There's you don't even need to draft a tight end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need to draft one. Just well, that's fair. see so who's good and play the, you know, you know, so it does depend. You're absolutely right. Uh, but hey, I've been so positive talking about all the players I like. Let me just yeah, tell you it. a team that I'm not, I'm, let me just tell you a team I'm fading a, a bit. Um, I don't want at their value. Again, I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. Shout out to the king. But, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am not finding myself enjoying their value. And it doesn't mean I don't like their players. I just don't think that, first of all, I think it's going to be a down year for them. Their offensive line is not great. They were already throwing like, you know, three yard slants at basically a hundred percent clip uh, toward the end of last year. It was, you know, I, I joked that Ben Roethlisberger couldn't even find the seams on the ball. He was just catching it and shoveling it forward. Uh, it was very, very quick passing game. They weren't throwing the ball downfield. Who knows how healthy Ben will be. And you know who his backup is, is Dwayne Haskins behind that Swiss cheese offensive line. Um, yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Sorry, not, 
betting. I'm, I'm betting the under and win total. I'm not betting them to w- make the playoffs. I'll bet against them to make the playoffs. They've got a lot going for them. They've got a good defense, although it's getting a little old. I'm just kind of out on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's to say that I think they'll go like eight and nine. Um, Seven and I get ten. The hesit- yeah, yeah. I, I get the hesitancy just because Big Ben's old. I get it. Uh, yep. And also wasn't really very good last year. But I right. do like a lot of the players on the team. And Me too. if I think, you know, Barkley and Galladay can drag Daniel Jones across the finish line <laughs> to some sort of finish line, then I think Juju and Deontay and um, Claypool. Chase Claypool can drag the corpse of Big Ben somewhere. Um, I do think you're right to be hesitant on it, though. That's a fairly decent point I hadn't put a lot of thought into yet. Like, that might be capping their potential ceiling, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I, and I you know, I kind of gave you a quick little show sheet, uh, and, and I'll, I'll hit it now. It's like, I did some, some, some searching, uh, you know, as I was looking at ADPs and looking at my projections that I did, uh, you know, just finished today, and I started to think about, you know, you get into the fifth and sixth round of best ball leagues or, or redraft leagues, as it were, and that's when... Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster are going off in that order. They kind of go mm. off in that order. You know, and look, I'm sure Claypool goes first sometimes, but it's basically ADP is showing that uh, Deontay is a late fifth, Claypool, you know, late fifth, and then Ju- Juju is, is in the heart of the sixth round. And what I'm seeing back-to-back is T. Higgins and Deontay Johnson. Who would you like again? Redraft, not dynasty, obviously. Uh, maybe not obviously, but uh, this year, uh, who who do you got? T. Higgins or Deontay Johnson? Oh, um, it's a good question. T. Higgins, um, T. Higgins or Deontay Johnson? Can we, pl- can, we can we play the upside. Jeopardy music? Can we play the Jeopardy music? You're talking joking. about wide receiver two upside for either. Um, I will probably take T. Higgins. Um, mainly based on the fact that, you know, his competition, his best competition is a rookie this year. And so he can play wide receiver one for a significant part of the year. I don't think Deontay is that kind of guy. I'm with you 100%. I'm way, way T. Higgins over Deontay Johnson, you know, in the fifth round of some sort of draft. Um, Cortland Sutton or Chase Claypool? Oh, shit. That's a difficult one, too. Um, I'm taking Sutton right now, but I've been trying to put extra thought into Chase Claypool. Because um, I got him wrong as a rookie. And yeah, so me I'd too. be interested to know what you think. I, I got him wrong, and so you have to start looking at why did I get him wrong. And my answer right now is he played in Canada, which is a terrible reason, but I'll take what I can get. So if I got <laughs> him wrong and he's actually a good player, the only and his production was a lie, essentially then what's stopping Chase Claypool having the upside of all the big body wide receivers we overdraft who don't have the production? Like, that's an amazing upside. Like, that's the only thing that's given me hesitancy. As it is, I think I agree. maybe he just outplayed himself in year one. So I'm uh, not yep. going in on it. But if he is actually better than his production showed, like, he has all the upside. Like, he he's the only guy that's who right. got close who's ever been any good in the NFL anyway to Calvin Johnson on a physical scale. Not yep. Calvin Johnson, but only guy close. No, you're and, right uh, on the money, man. That's kind of scary when I'm when I'm fading him, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, so, you're, 
That's exactly yeah. right. I mean, it's uh, it's very interesting because he had the what do you have a four or five touchdown game early on, but and you know, it was he heavily a- touchdown. Like he should have regression coming too. And with Big Ben struggling, then yeah, I, I'm pretty confident on my. You know, it was just an outplayed year one, but it's scary. And if you like Chase Claypool, fucking lean in, lean into the guys you like. There's there's some serious upside there. I might be missing because of it. Yeah, I agree a hundred hundred percent. By the way, about his potential upside. So if this take, you know, if we look back in 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 a year and we missed on this take, it'll be because of Chase Claypool's upside. But when I talk about exactly. his sort of his mean and his floor. I'm taking Cortland Sutton every time, and the upside is close enough where I'm I, I'm Team Sutton here. Um, you know, Claypool had some ugly games, man, last year down the stretch. I mean, he scored one touchdown after Week Ten. He had one game over 55 yards after Week Ten. It was, you know, it was just wasn't good. I mean, it wasn't very good. And so, yeah, he didn't win anybody any championships. He won Week. Four is what he won against Philadelphia, and everybody knows <laughs> Philadelphia is terrible, so that's why it happened. Uh, shout out to my producer who's cursing me in the green room, as it were. Uh, but yeah, that you know, I, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't like it. And then my last one was Juju going right, right behind him is Jerry Judy, uh, another Denver Bronco, oh. as it were. But Jerry Judy or Juju in a redraft or best ball league, who you got? Um. I'm team Juju for life, so yeah. So you got to say Juju. Um, I think Juju is underrated right now based on his rookie season. A lot of the promise was fulfilled, but I do think I like Cortland Sutton a lot more than other people too, and I hate this overall situation, so I don't really know what to make of Denver yet. I've really got to finish my projections. That's the yeah, ultimate answer. Yeah, but, Denver's a tricky one. I give you that because it's like who's playing. But, you know, hey, look, Jerry Judy with what, you know, the the, the league lead and unrealized air yards last year, which means he was targeted down the field and presumably open. That's usually when you get targeted. But thrown to by Drew Locke down the field, who obviously wasn't able to connect for Drew Locke reasons. Um, <clears> now, the, the, the idea would be that he'll get those targets this year, but – will be more accurate from Teddy. The counter argument will be Teddy will be throwing it two feet from the line of scrimmage. So he won't be getting them. I, I, I get all that. That's a, that's the quandary we find ourselves in with the Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy situation in Denver, but who knows it, it could also be a, you know, a, a, another quarterback throwing to them potentially. Yeah. Um, like we just said about Pittsburgh, there might be reasonable concerns, but as for the wide receiver core, given what I've already said about Chase Claypool, like Juju Smith-Schuster is clearly the best player for me in that offense, full stop. But especially at the wide receiver position, I've seen that upside from him before. I think he is not mediocre or good at what he does or whatever else people want to say. Last year, like, I, I, I can't go on this rant too many times. People are going to get sick of it. But if you can find me another wide receiver that can be as good with an A dot that freaking low, as in he yeah. was basically getting a running back A dot and adding extra value in terms of expected points, opportunity, like he was adding to the team from a position on the field that wide receivers struggle to add. Like no one gets that kind of target share at that A dot because there's just no value in throwing to a good player. And so you don't put a lot of volume there because that's not where your good player is. But they have two other good wide receivers going off. So what do you do? You do. You throw your most multifaceted guy who can actually provide extra value at this really unusual role at Jerry Judy. That's just what you do. 
not Jerry Judy. Yeah. Him too. But Juju Smith-Schuster, that's what you do. Last year showed that literally wherever you put Juju Smith-Schuster, he outperforms his placement. Now, given what I – you can kind of tell what I already think of what's going to happen in Pittsburgh. I think Chase Claypool is going to regress. I think his production wasn't a complete lie, although he's obviously already beaten me. That was a good pick. He's better than his production showed. But I think Juju Smith-Schuster is as good as his production has shown. Like, yeah, I no, think absolutely. Juju Smith-Schuster or Mediocre takes just smacks of twenty. what just happened recently takes and not taking into account where he was playing. That's the way I feel, and my feelings matter, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, This is I, a I, safe I, space. I just want you to know that. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> listen, you know, you're right. Juju was six and a half yards per target, eight and a half yards per reception last year. Like, that's, like, unheard of, like – uh, I know you said his A dot was low. Obviously, like you know, there are players whose A dot is higher than six and a half or eight point six. It's just like you know, like you know, just you know, uh, you know. Of course, it is, but you know, it's like he's just not getting down the field at all. Like you know, it, the you know, few games he crazy. had an A dot that was halfway decent are his hundred yard games, and it was and I mean, it's the same when Antonio Brown was there. Whenever he was put on the outside, he dominated like an outside receiver. And you've also yeah. got a guy who just dominated on the inside when you use him like an inside receiver. So that mean that means to me that this guy is good wherever you put him. And I think that's now my expectation is probably they're going to put him in a weird freaking place again to try and manhandle Big Ben into being useful. So yeah, and Jerry Judy has the dynasty value. But if we're talking redraft, I'm just always going to take the Juju Smith Schuster bet. I'm kind of in for a penny at this point, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for a penny and for a pound. Nice job. Uh, see, I told you guys he was from uh, from Kentucky. That's an old Kentucky <laughs> saying. That's 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 a, a cruise ship moniker. Time, yeah, they say it on the cruise ship all the time. In for a penny, in that's, for a pound. That's where it comes from. The old true. Kentucky cruise ships. <laughs> am I am I right though? I mean, obviously, and everybody knows that. But I mean, it's one of those you know one of those things. Uh, speaking of things, not everybody knows. Uh, DeAndre Swift is in danger this year. Oh, he it's is? in danger. What's Uh-oh. that? Yeah. And and I'll tell you what he's in danger of. The Detroit Lions might be absolutely shitty on offense. Uh, this just in. Uh, did you know that? They have no wide receivers. They have a very good offensive line. Uh, that is the only thing. I'm wondering if they can just be a ground and pound, like, you know, beat the shit out of you type of thing. Every now and again, Jared Goff throws the football. But – if, if 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 they're required to have Jared Goff throw it down the field, think about it. He had like one of the worst uh, A dots in the league last year, and he played for Sean McVay with you know weapons all around him. Now he goes to Detroit, plays for Dan Campbell, the knee biter, and you know he's got a good offensive line. But outside of that, like no downfield weapons. I mean, unless you call Brashad Perryman and uh, Tyrell Williams downfield weapons. Uh, it could get ugly in Detroit offensively, in which case they're, they're also talking a lot about, um, you know, uh, they, they did say something about um, who the hell was it uh, said that uh, it might have been the head coach or someone said, oh, no, it was Anthony Lynn. The offensive coordinator said that uh, Jamal Williams is his a back, which means lead back three down back. And, you know, DeAndre Swift will be the B back, the space back, which is fine. I want him to get targets, but if they sort of see it that way, 
he could have a rush share that's a, a whole lot lower than we need it to be at his current ADP. Now, I'm not worried about him as a player. I'm just worried about him at his ADP. I'm worried. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Swift, but I was a little worried about Swift last year, so I don't know if I'm the best guy to ask. Um, Fair enough. Because I just saw him. He he actually he was slightly underproductive. He was, he was Clyde Edwards-Lair. He was decent, but really his landing spot and draft capitals seemed to make people believe in the potential upside of it, if that makes sense. He was slightly better than Clyde Edwards-Lair on a production basis. But I just I thought he was he showed to be a little more limited in college than most people felt. So I didn't see a three down back. I saw like a receiver plus, um, yeah. which kind of fits with what the coach is saying. Having said that, I kind of feel like he proved me wrong through a few games last year. And if the but running backs all about team opportunity. Sorry, was there yeah. any either or question here, or is this just no? You said it. I'm worried. I'm talking about guys. I'm worried about, and I'll, I'll hit you with another one a little bit. This is. One that, that that stems from me doing my projections. And, you know, Nate List had a, a great uh, stat, which was how often uh, a, a, a any running back ever has been targeted not more than like three times in a Lamar Jackson um, offense, like ever. Like it's like never. Like no running back ever sees more than two or three targets a game, like in any game. Not like, you know, it's like never happened or something. Maybe it happened like once a, a player saw more than three, like four or more. It just doesn't happen. So ultimately there's not a lot of running back targets and that caps Dobbins ceiling. Not really his floor, actually. I think he's got a fine floor, an RB2 floor, like unless he gets hurt again. But like if he doesn't get hurt, he's going to score like 10 touchdowns and have like 800 yards, like almost no matter what. But the Gus Bus, you know, you know what I mean. Like, the, if he doesn't get hurt, he's like, yeah, he's like eight hundred yards. But that doesn't necessarily make your return your profit, right? You know, you get a touchdown every the game and here and there, and then you're getting you know five, six, seven points every now and again. You're like, geez, you know, he's not a super exciting floor player. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned with with J.K. Dobbins. You know, he was scoring a touchdown almost every single game there down the stretch, which. Look, that pays off. You know, you get a running back who's, you know, getting, you know, 75 to 110 yards of all-purpose yards and scoring a touchdown, boom, 20 points. We're there, you know? I think he's definitely on a team where that can happen, too. That's the thing. Yes. Ravens are very efficient running the ball. That's why we're worried about the wide receiver spaniel not expanding, because why would they? Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to see top 12. That's what it, someone asked me about this in Discord the other day, and I was like, I like him. I think he's an exceptional but good rusher, actually. I mean, that class me was too. really good. Like, Swift looked underproductive to me in a really good running back class. I just want to say that. Like, he, he's not compared to these 2021 running backs. Yeah, he'd be RB1. Um, pretty close. But, yep. um, well, actually, yeah, probably definitely. Um, so, <sighs> and Dobbins would definitely be a running back one as well. So, yes. all that being said, um, I don't see top 12. It's I wouldn't project him in the top 12, or I'd be surprised if he rose to the top 12 in projections. That doesn't mean he's bad, <laughs> because what you're saying, the, the, the usage concerns from what we expect are limited. Yeah, exactly. The, in, the further, the if, further if we're you talking play redraft, from... that's what matters. If we're talking dynasty, it doesn't matter. He's young on a good team, and he'll be you know a good running back. I'm with you 100% on that exactly. I'm a little bit concerned for this season. You know, we've ha I've had this conversation with Polly Sleepers and Nate Liss and a few people about Dobbins where, you know, I feel like his ceiling is there, but I think it's through touchdowns. You know, he could have just a, you know, 15, 20 touchdown 
year. It's possible because they score a lot of them on the ground and he's involved in that way. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Here's the two that I'm very concerned about and people are, I'm ready for the hate mail. So send it at Dino game theory (laughs) at me. Come to me, Josh Jacobs. I'm just concerned. Subscribers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Um, just, just yell at Raider Josh. fans. It's always a dangerous proposition. Yeah, I, I don't know. It feels like another player the market's pretty efficient on. Look, he said. I agree. If they used him how we think they could use him based on what he did in college, where he was yes. more of a receiver than a rusher, he would have the ceiling. But after this many years, it's pretty obvious the team's not gonna. And every time right. he catches a pass, we get overexcited. I mean, running back. Again, just where we start with basic assumptions instead that are good instead of what we want to be true, and therefore we don't make missteps when we evaluate different players in different situations. It's not that Jess Jacobs couldn't be. It's that he's probably not going to be on the Raiders. They're not going to use him that way. They're not probably going to do that. Now, if you want to say they, they could, yes. But, I mean, frick, if they just targeted Adam Thielen 40 times a game, he could be the wide receiver one next year. <laughs> And when when you're talking about upside, every player has uh, a lot more upside than we're typically going to assume. But I think it's fair to say that Josh Jacobs is locked in as a top 24 running back. And so then it all comes down to ADP. If you're getting him after Dobbins, who we also think is locked in there, then it's good. If we're getting him at the same price, then it's probably bad because I think generally he's going to fall a little further because he's younger. He's older, rather. So, yeah. That's what I think of Josh Jacobs. He shouldn't be, but he is a perennial top twenty-four running back. When I did my uh, when I did my projections, uh, Mike Davis came in above Josh Jacobs, so that just tells you where I'm at. Um, I'm turning but, my projection model off, by the way, because I realize I'm getting way too distracted. Yeah, no, you are, but that's okay. I, I mean, you know, you did show up late. And it's not your fault. You said something that made me think that would be interesting, and I start doing it. It's yeah, like, I know. It's I fine. Know. I'm, I'm totally jacking with you. But the last for- podcast I was on was um, asked me to look for trades. And so I was looking at this league trying to find a trade, and it made me look at a player, which made me think of something else. And I built three spreadsheets before I realized I was no longer looking for trades. So yeah. I'm very, I'm like a cat with a little laser. Gun yeah, flying you around are. my head. Like I'm very easily. <laughs> yeah, that's What's that's why I love. Your, I, lo- <laughs> I love your podcast. Sometimes I'll just listen and I'll just try and like track back to what the fuck you were talking about five minutes ago. And it's like <laughs> I'm like, just so you know, this shit all started with X, Y, and Z. And he's talking about by ABC. the way we started out talking about baseball. I have no idea how we got. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, quick, quick aside. This is fuels my Josh Jacobs, um, you know, not hate, but fade. Uh, Here's his schedule. Uh, Week one, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Miami, Chargers, Bears, Broncos, finally, Eagles, then a bye. It gets a little bit, it gets a little bit softer from there. Uh, but playoffs are Washington chiefs are kind of a run funnel, but usually a shootout and then uh, Browns and Broncos. So he's got a little soft middle there for a minute with giants, Eagles, you know, uh, but it's, it's pretty ugly, man. It's, it's not going to be good. I don't think that, you know, it's just, again, I don't think that offensive line is very good. Uh, It's just a problem. And when you do projections, uh, you, you, you have to fit. No, it's okay. When you do projections, you have to fit in, uh, Kenyon Drake 
somewhere. You can't just be like, nope, he's not going to get shit. He's getting something, and whatever he gets is going to hurt uh, Josh Jacobs. No, I actually built a thing last year because everyone asked about strength of schedule. My 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 official position is why it's useless because especially even good ones are basically um, useless by week four because we have a whole new bunch of data points that we actually update with. Um, because yes. offenses, offensive lines, these things we project badly, um, we eventually end up having to adjust for the minute we get a, like a half-decent sample size. But it is interesting, and when you're coming down to things that you just have to believe in, I get it. So um, I actually built um, a strength of schedule, kind of a small strength of schedule thing, where I looked at the average points per game against per position against the offenses that or the defenses that are about to play, if that makes sense. Right. And I looked at it on a league average and a team average basis. So if players going against that defense played above their league average or above their team's personal average at that position, that was a lot of words. Either way, it's just strength schedule. Okay. So I was actually just rushing to look up like where <laughs> I have um, Las Vegas in terms of running back. And I have it as, yeah, it's a minus schedule across both outlets it's like uh it's, it's bad if you compare the league average or plus average i actually had this all hang on it was, I was I, trying it, to see it, where you can it look ranks. it up you, you can look it up but the, you know i i'd heard i forget where i was listening but you know it was a bottom five schedule according to oh, i think it might have been warren sharp too which uh you know I, I i mostly only listen to people that are pretty good and warren sharp is certainly one of them you know, he's about as smart he's as there is. He's a little addicted to small sample sizes, but I get why. He's very good at what he does, the betting market. He's very good, he's, man. He's Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And so, you know, he, he, that's right. So, I mean, and he, he's putting down a lot of cake uh, in order to be right. And so he, he's really trying to be right for the for the right reasons, money, not just so he can have a fucking good take on Twitter on a podcast. So, you know, he's yeah, definitely not. Him, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he makes money is a thing. Bingo. <laughs> a lot Bingo. of money. Um, Yeah, I have it as a bottom three schedule for running back, actually. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, it's bad. Peter Howard, everybody agrees. Like, you know, you can add it up however you want. It adds up to not good. Um, And then and then one more that I don't like so much is is David Montgomery. Um, And, and I'm not a, I'm a little bit of a Monty hater, but. But not be not. This isn't this isn't a Monty take. This is actually a, a target share and offense and all that sort of stuff rolled together. I mean, Tariq Cohen comes back. It's gonna hurt the the running back targets he was seeing last year because it spiked when Tariq Cohen was out. And you know, uh, again, we can't assume he gets hurt again, right? Um, so yeah, I've got some problems with with David Montgomery as well. I'm not sure how you feel. Yeah, about that. I think everyone has some problems with David Montgomery. Like no one's drafting him as a whatever he was top five running back he was last season. Um, no, and I think that's fair. Um, fair outlier, and he overperformed in several loose schedule games as well. Um, and we don't expect him to get that level of opportunity. I mean. Hopefully, Justin Fields can do something with that team so they're not as reliant on the rushing game anyway. Here, 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 were, here was a player that I was back-to-back. Just to, you, you tell me what you think of this. Back-to-back-to-back. To back. I'll give you three of them that were back-to-back-to-back to back to back in my uh, production – I mean my, uh, my uh, projection model that I did today. Uh, Miles Gaskin, Chase Edmonds, David Montgomery. And that's I'm, a little too far for me. That's <laughs> – I agree. But what I'm getting at is I was like, holy shit, like, you know, I need to find some more fantasy points for David Montgomery. I wasn't being mean to him. I was no, just I get, like, no, that's exactly the thing. You're like, okay, I was like, so oh, shit. I've, 
And then you have to go look and you're like, oh, I'm, yeah. And what I would say is, am I getting David Montgomery cheaper than Josh Jacobs? And I think right now, maybe. And I think so. that yeah, means I'd both want David right Montgomery. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, David Montgomery is both, you know, a potential landmine and, you know, a decent value play at running back. The thing is, you got to remember a running back as well is we're not looking for top 24 running backs. Like if you're running back two as a top 24 running back, you are good. But we're trying to be the best out of 12 people and someone's going to be great. So like I typically don't chase them. Like that's the Josh Jacobs, the J.K. Dobbins. I'm typically not chasing those guys. Here, here's but they're here's valuable. The they're valuable. Here's the spot. Values. Here's the spot, right? So at, at, at underdog fantasy, uh, best ball drafts right now, ADP has them uh, – 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. They're going at, at running back 20 and 21. Fine value. But here's the here's yeah. the thing. The, the two backs going right before him I want ahead of him, which is Miles Sanders and Chris Carson, especially Chris Carson, who we'll get to. And even the backs going right after him. I'm impressed Chris Carson's going in that range, actually. I would have thought they'd faded him harder. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to see too because I mean I'm I'm pushing the button for Chris Carson right there ahead of Jacobs and you know if it, if they're all three are on the board I'm I'm smashing Chris Carson for sure and and a little bit later you know after Travis Etienne Miles Gaskin there's Mike Davis and I want Mike Davis right after That's, Chris yeah. Carson ahead of Monty and Jacobs me personally do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, especially when you're looking at top 24 running backs. I, I, I take the cheapest one, and it's fun to have Mike Davis. It's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be interested in the wide receivers going around there. Running back ADP has been pushed up so high in the ADP I look at that top 24 running backs are going next to top 12 wide receivers, and you're like, no. Nah. Nah. Right. At that point, I'm taking the upside at the other position. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. I've been kind of um, smashing two running backs lately and and when i go to draft that third one it, it, it it's dicey so yeah i'm with you and then you're right there's so much value in wide receiver namely julio and you know players that we were talking about sometimes uh terry mclaurin michael thomas that type of player mm-hmm. is going in that in that range uh you're 100 right so i'm i'm 100 pivoting to wide receiver in that third round rather than hitting that's, another running back for sure. That's where the conversation on zero becomes interesting to me because there's two ways of chasing yeah. those top running backs is either you draft heavy RB at the start because that's where they all freaking live. That's where yes. you got to get them. <laughs> but where I lean wide receiver for the vague understanding of zero RB that I have, I always end up sh- trying to hunt not the top 24 running backs, but the Miles Gaskins of the future. Yes. Now, last year, I didn't hit James Robinson, and so it, you struggled. But if you hit Mike Davis, if you hit Miles Gaskin, which I did, um, that's the other way of doing it. But it's interesting how that falls into this conversation of which top 24 running back do I want? Kind of neither based on either strategy you go on, right? Yeah, no, or, you're all you, there's a There is a, other strategies. There is a strategy where they make sense, but um, not those two. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. So a lot of those targets that you're talking about, I'm with you. I think you mentioned one is Ramondre Stevenson, who's going very late. You could even add Damian Harris to that zero running back target. Or, you know, I always say zero running back targets are also, you know, a guy like me who drafts a couple of running backs early. I can still get them too. So I, I do draft those guys late as well. And I'm targeting Zach Moss as well. Um, Chase Edmonds, uh, Gus Edwards, 
I don't know if there's any others that you like back there. I love I mean, Gus yeah, Edwards they, and his value. And they're so cheap. And I yeah. would like to say before you misquote me, because I know you freaking will. Um, yeah, totally. There is no James Robinson this year. An undrafted free agent that does that, let alone does that year one, no. Just stop looking. It doesn't exist. Um, they do happen, though. And it's normally along the lines of a Miles Gaskin. They're a few years into their career. It's an uncertain backfield. J.J. Zacharyson's got a whole list of rules. An opportunity yep. opens up, and they're better than some people knew. Um, Austin Eckler, I don't know. His ADP shot up too high. But it happened for him early in his career as well. But that's not the only way of hunting. You can hunt yeah, him need- early in the draft. You need injuries and stuff like that because, I mean, if you think of James Robinson, James Robinson wasn't James Robinson because he was better and beat everybody out. Like, he was better. and He was, did, it turns out. <laughs> right, but that's not why he got there. You know, he didn't get there on – it wasn't a meritocracy that got him there. They released Leonard Fournette because of contract disputes and money reasons and because they just didn't want him around anymore because they're rebuilding and tanking. They, they didn't need that noise. Um, they, and then – one guy got like long-term COVID. The other guy got injured and, you know, they, it was just like the, per, the literally the seas good. parted for him, right? They weren't very good, but they were there and he would have had to have contended with them and split carries or some shit like Maybe that. You know what I mean? a little bit more, but I think the fact that he's good uh, helped out, but I know what you 100%, mean. It's not 100%. Like, especially at running back. That's very fair. Again, back to our base assumptions. You need a little luck to get opportunity, especially with lower draft capital. It goes back to what we were saying about who was it that was in the fourth round? Would they get more opportunity? Probably not. They're a worse bet because they fell to the fourth round. It just unfortunately is. You need a little bit more luck, the less draft capital you have. That's exactly right. At running back. And at least. Yeah. What would be something that what were we just talking about? What is something you are targeting when you're looking for some running backs who can outperform their ADP, not to the top 24 level, but when you're looking for the great outliers that happen every year, those running backs who work their way into higher level opportunity shares. And then we think like, I thought I found one and it landed on Nick Chubb, which doesn't help because he's getting very overdrafted right now. So uh, that didn't help out. Um, You got anything else that you write on? You're saying uh, uh, running like backs being drafted to the outside of the top reason, Yeah, add to the J.J. Yeah. Zacharyson rules. Uncertain backfields with similar ADP and all that. Yeah, shit I was going to say, through. didn't he write the book? Like, honestly, that's the way to go is like you look for those, you know, the, those ambiguous backfields and go from there, which is why I like sort of that Ramondre Stevenson, you know, because he's so that's cheap right. that and, and really, you know, it's like who's there? It's like Damien, he has to he has to you know, claw climb over the dead bodies of J- of Damian Harris and Sony Michelle, like should be okay. I mean, you know, it's not like the end of the world that he can't do that. So that's where I'm looking. Um, you know, and, and right now, one of the interesting things is there's a few fewer ambiguous backfields because of that dope draft class last year, you know, the four top guys, you know, all sort of asserted themselves, you know, then, uh, Antonio Gibson and CEH also in there, you know, so there's a lot of, of backs that have sort of taken some ambiguous seats and made them less ambiguous. Um, maybe Miami. I mean, I just don't know who I'd want after miles Gaskin. Um, I, you know, does, he kind of seems like he has that spot locked up. I mean, Mike Davis would be another one that you could argue is ambiguous, even though I don't think he is, um, you know, I think he looks for receiving upside as well, right? You don't need correct. Christian McCaffrey, but you need them to get something. <laughs> you right. Know? 
And that might lead you to an Elijah Mitchell, uh, who I love Elijah Mitchell. He's one of the guys I love so much. And and every time I had someone on, I kept asking about his pass catching because if you kind of want to comp him to his, you know, the best possible outcome that he could be, it's kind of Aaron Jonesy. You know, he's a late fifth roundish pick who's got great speed, came from a small school, kind of dominated. And when I talked about that with a few people, they said, yeah, but Aaron Jones was an elite receiver. And he Elijah was an Mitchell producer in college. He yeah. like really stand stood out in that draft. Again, exactly. I took him a lot over Jamal Williams, who had an interesting rushing profile, at least from an early age at a lower conference. And I think people forget, especially now, how back and forth that was. Like Jamal Williams was the guy with all the receiving potential in those first few games, at least in that first season. Yes. Um, and it was still hard to believe in Aaron Jones. So I also default back to college profiles a lot. It's it's weird when you have NFL stats, but I do. Um, and re- noticing a lot of these guys are lower drafted, especially at running back. Um, you know, undrafted yep. free agents matter. Not James Robinson, but just, just, just not those first round picks. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, some of the ambiguous backfields are some of the most like Houston, it's like, even if you tell me that someone's getting like a 70% share there, I don't still don't know if I want them. So it's like, you know, kind of got to avoid that spot. Um, you know, there's just so many spots like New England, I think is a great spot, uh, you know, to grab that value. The Jets are probably another one. Um, you know, everybody's Ugh. sort of pen- penciling in Michael Carter. <laughs> Go ahead. Give me a Jets, terrible Jets team. Cheap for a reason, though. Um, I just, I just don't like the Jets. Like they've, I, of they course, need, they suck need balls. Team upside, and the Jets are refused. Exactly. Like you just target good players on good teams. That's my default. And unfortunately, you know, Travis Etienne and James Robinson got half of that. So, um, so it sucks. But they're more yeah. like you're more likely to find upside. I think on better teams. But um, I know it kind of bleeds over into, I guess I'll get you out on this one or whatever we'll say. Uh, a lot of my thoughts, especially as I work on projections, is what year is 2021 going to be? Like we just saw 2020, which is always going to be this outlier season. We're starting to come at the end of some of that stuff. And, and in 2021, we saw offensive explode, frankly. The number of teams with 40 passing touchdowns or more is insane. And we felt that in fantasy. Yes. And like we were trying to frame the rookie class, maybe it's 2018, maybe it's 2015. Um, I find myself doing that a lot with the NFL season, what to expect. And with under-hyped running backs coming in and a post-hype potential for running backs from last season who only got to show it last year, I don't know where I'm landing, but I'm expecting low rushing upside again. That might just be the zero RB in me again, but I can't believe... (laughs) Like, we've got Dobbins and Akers that both of us struggle to see top 12 potential. Those are the young running backs we should be betting on. We should be betting on, especially in Dynasty and Redraft, when you're thinking just 2021. Am I seeing, like, regression up in the rushing game? No, but then again... Are you you singing Keyshawn Vaughn's song right now? Because it sounds like you're singing his... I mean, no, no, no. you know, I think I don't know what to make of 2021 because I don't think we can be more productive in the receiving game than we were in 2021. So we should be disappointed, but I yeah. don't exactly see the path that's being laid out for us in ADP where Jonathan Taylor increases the running back position as a whole. I think Jonathan Taylor's good, 
Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley is going to come back. I don't know if it's a resurgent of the older RB year, you know? Davin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, all with injury concerns, not the prime come-uppers, not last year's running backs, but these guys we already know are established. Uh, So what do you think? What do you think 2021 is going to look like in the NFL? Prolific rushing? Yeah. Big letdown (sighs) on offense in general after 2020? You know, I think one of the reasons that the no, it's a great question because I think one of the reasons that there was a there was so much um, offense was there was no crowd noise. You know, so guys were able to get to the line and audible. Even bad quarterbacks were able to do that, right? You know, obviously, I think the, defenses were finding it harder as well with a little less preparation that really seemed to affect the defense more. That's right. That's right. Less preparation and less crowd assistance. You know, yeah. Quite, quite frankly, even at home, I mean, sometimes it's a little bit loud. You're like, damn it, quiet down. You see the guys, you know, quiet down. I mean, Seahawks, the um, eleventh man, you know? <laughs> right? Twelfth, whatever. Twelfth however, however many men they, yeah, however 13. many people are on the field. Yeah, damn it, a lot of this. <laughs> He's from Kentucky, where soccer is very popular. They actually call it football. There. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, that was pretty. I couldn't. I couldn't help that one. That was no go for it. Know. I mean, he's a Kentucky expat. Everybody knows that. Um, Damn right. Yep. Um, so, but no, I think that's 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 right. So, I think you know now you're going to see a, a little bit more uh, home road matter. You know, um, you, you know, but that's really it. And I think that's why you saw a lot of those 40 touchdowns because teams were able to do it on the road. Now you're, you're down, you know, uh, 21 to six. And it's like, good luck coming back. The, the, the crowds in a frenzy. you got to, you know, whereas last year they were like, it was like, it was like passing shell. They're like, you know, you could hear the echo, you know, it's like, you know, they're just, they're just like that crowd noise wasn't even allowed to get up to a regular crowd noise. Yeah, it was nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Defensive regression. Defenses are just going to have a party, a return to, that's not, that's not, not a bad way of looking at it. I don't know what that means for football. It basically means that we're going to be disappointed across the board. And those few players that actually stand out are going to mean so much more probably. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, I think, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to be a huge difference. I think it's going to be, you know, subtle, just like it's been even the last couple of years. But I think last year was definitely a preparation year. Teams were thrown off. Players were definitely, you know, they the protocols changed the way they had to sort of operate. They couldn't just roll in. And you know, the, I think it just changed everything. And I think it definitely affected performance. And like you say, the offense knows what they're doing. The defense has to be ready for it. So preparation affects the defense less. So uh, what I think I hear you telling me is uh, we should be drafting Keyshawn Vaughn. We should be drafting Ramondre Stevenson. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Maybe. It's going to be a lot of fun, but um, you know, I, I I had so much fun with you. I could talk to you all day. I can listen to you all day too, because you you know you do have you're the king of the run on sentence. But I'm kind of a I I've been known to chit chat a little king bit. Of the <laughs> it's it's awesome, man. I fucking love it too, man. I absolutely love it. So you know the dynasty crossroads you it, you did where it was you know analytics versus a film guy, and you did it with Zach Reed and Jake Anderson and. And, uh, you know, both guys are great guys. And Jack, uh, Jack, I, I mixed them together. Zach Reed was actually on this podcast and I absolutely loved him. Uh, you know, he's just a, he's great, a great dude. Guy. So, 
a, such a great dude. So yeah. a lot of fun. And, and, uh, so it was, it was great to finally have you on and, and hopefully we can do some more stuff together. You're, you're in high demand, man. You're, you're one of those guys out there that <laughs> everybody knows you, everybody loves you. And I don't know why, cause you're, you're definitely a jerk. Like you pointed out. You know? Seriously, man. I, I, it's a mystery to me. Also, I'm not in high demand, so it's not that much of a mystery, but I appreciate <laughs> you saying so. No, well, um, no, thanks for having me on, you, man. It's you certainly feel like you're in high demand. I couldn't get you on the damn pod. Uh, that's just because I'm disorganized and lazy. That's different. That's a different thing. Uh, oh shit! Well, then we fit right together, baby. This is perfect, and and uh, I appreciate it. You were awesome. So uh, we'll, we'll sign that's off. It. Tell the people where they can find you and what you're going. Oh, by the way, I call him the Robin Hood of data analytics for <laughs> fantasy because you have a Patreon. I think you you charge like a buck, and you know it's basically like a free donation. And if you're not a patron of P PA Howdy which is uh, Peter, Peter Howard's uh, you know, Twitter handle, then you're doing it wrong because he's basically just doing all this hard work you know, and getting it out there. And all you have to do is pay him a buck and you've got the, all the information. So tell the people where they can find you, brother. Um, yeah, you can pay more on Patreon. Just throw that out there. But it's fine. Uh, honestly, I'm just trying to help out as much as I can. And I have spent way too much time playing this game with no extra money. So I try not to make it a paywall type situation there's any donations on patreon are literally that they're just hey i've got a book thanks here's some support now give me stuff and uh, if you just hit me up on twitter i'll try and help you out as much as i can that being said it's not like i'm the best data grinder with the best statistics and the best database ever i just trying to get what i can with relatively little cost and share it so we can all play with data a little bit because some people some of us enjoy that believe it or not if you don't yep. that's fine we can just argue about saquon barkley or whoever else you want to argue about but i find it quite hard to find statistics when you don't have enough money to climb behind a paywall so i just started collecting yeah. it. i've been helped out by a lot of people just generate donating their time and their skills to actually help a very dumb stat grinder just collects stuff and um we're just putting it out there um on my pin tweet uh, at pa howdy that's my rookie database and again that's all just group source between good players good people who like to play this and want to argue about it so everyone has to know the information to argue about it and that's got i don't know every rookie in it since 2000 to now um and some 2021 prospects already um, every stat we can find that we think is relevant <laughs> we just stuff it in there so it's not fancy and the number of columns might make you feel like uh killing a nerd the nearest possible <laughs> nerd but also if you just have a question like how many players have done this and then gone on to do that you can just find the answer that's the ultimate idea behind it um this wasn't meant to be that long i didn't meant to mention any of that but you mentioned patreon so i feel like i have to explain it um, but yeah, that's date. That's free. It's hosted on Patreon because I need somewhere to put the link. But if you click and then click again, it takes you straight to it. And the whole idea is so we can all look if you're interested in looking at the stats. And be sure to Give check out the, the source money. tab in that, though, because all the people donating their free time and energy just so we can all get to look at them. And it's not dynamic. It's not play by play data, but it's pretty cool. And uh just trying to get a little bit better at Dynasty. So if it can help you do that too, that's good as well. Hey, um, Peter, you'll, so yeah, you'll appreciate was... this. You, you you do the Dynasty crossroads that where film and analytics meet. And and so <laughs> I've joked, uh, you know, you'll love this take. I don't know if you ever heard me say this, but uh, all everybody uses analytics. Everybody uses data. 
everybody, every, even every single film guy, because they know where they went to school, whether they went through a, a big school, a small <laughs> school, they know how tall they are. They know how much they weigh. They know how many catches they had. They know how many yards they had. They know all that. So they, they are using data. Um, but not all data guys watch the games. There are some guys who don't watch anything and can still be great at this sport. So it definitely tells you that uh, analytics are more important than film, but it's not to say that a film guy can't be good at what he does and add a tremendous amount of value, especially when done right. But, um, you know, I think we, we make fun of, you know, the, 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 the people who are posers on both sides. I've seen a lot of guys who pretend to be an analytics guy on Twitter and, you know, they're not uh, a lot of times people call me a, an analyst. Guy. I'm like, Oh, hold up. You know, I'm, I, I'd love to be, but I'm just not smart enough. And, and you are one of the it's best really, out there. And like you say the same thing. It's not about smart. It's about if you, if that's yes. what you enjoy sitting down and doing, then that's <laughs> what you're going to do. If you enjoy sitting down and watching the tape, that's what you're going to do. Bingo. I like to point yeah. out, like it's all the same information. It's just however you choose to process it. That's like, exactly it, numbers right. are just, tape converted into a spreadsheet like we count things right. that happen that's it that's right and then we get to see it, it a different way and and you know it's it's all the same information we just choose to process it two different ways and both have advantages yes um but i didn't know i was getting into that conversation but yeah you can follow me no, out it's good. It's good. It's on good. twitter yeah follow check out that database peter i always um, say that i always say that i say that because i say that because i use both and 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 I, yeah, and I find value do. in both. Some of the best, actually. Of course, because it's it's where it is. But when people say they use one or the other, they they're that's a fallacy because everybody who <laughs> you know that that's just a fallacy. So I you know you can take that for what it's worth. I love you. You're fantastic. We're rambling because of course it's me, Jax Falcone, and Peter <laughs> Howard, two guys who could talk to a wall. So maybe we're all talking to a wall at this particular point. But hey, peace Most out. Most of the time. Go follow, go follow Peter Howard immediately. And uh, thanks for coming on, brother. I appreciate you. On behalf, thanks again, guy. On behalf of everybody at the Undroppables and everybody at the Undrafted, myself, Peter Howard, Michael, the producer. Thank you all. Peace out. <laughs>